Good morning, everybody. It's a blessing for me to come to you today and bring you the good news of Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to be talking about the love of God, the grace of God, and I'm going to be talking about the power of the resurrection of Jesus and how he has come to give us a brand new life. Now, before I get into that, I have to deal with something that is not easy to deal with, but I have to bring it to the forefront. As some of you know, and some of you have seen in South Africa on the uh, local news, in the newspapers, is that I've made some of the front pages of some of the newspapers. And this is about the defamation case that, uh, that I've been involved in. I've been sued for defamation. And I would like to explain to you guys a little bit what this is all about. The judge also then found that I did commit defamation and gave me a hefty fine as pertaining to this. Now, I would just like to explain to you what this is about and uh, also want to say we're taking this on appeal. We're appealing the case definitely and uh, we hope for a better outcome. Now, what this is about is basically just two letters that I wrote, one for a student and the other one for his mom. Uh, the mom was involved in, in a divorce and they needed a letter, and then this, uh, there was a student, her son, which did not pass at the university, and he failed this year, and he needed a letter wherein the difficult situation at home, which uh, I was of opinion of, that could have led to him not passing or contributed to him not getting the marks that he was supposed to get, that it could just help him in his reapplication. So I did write the letter and in this letter I mentioned that one of the problems, I didn't say it's the only problem, I said one of the problems uh, was the alcohol abuse um, of the father and that it had a great impact on the child and that he would have, I was, I was thinking that if it wasn't the case that he would have passed his university. The university, uh, the university accepted the letter I, was, I gave it to the son, the son gave it to the university, and they've accepted him back into the university. There was also a second letter that I wrote, which was a divorce letter. So the mom uh, eventually did get a divorce, and there was one letter sent to a lawyer, which was written as a privileged letter not to be used in the court in just explaining to the lawyer what was going on at home. But I did write it as privileged, and it wasn't allowed to be used in a court of law. Now... <coughs> When the mom uh, eventually got divorced from her husband, these two letters were submitted in the divorce case. It was submitted. I didn't, um, I th the mom says that there was a lot of papers during this divorce case, thousands of pages, and somehow it did get in. She did sign, uh, but there were lots of papers that they signed. She didn't read through everything, and unfortunately, these two letters did get in, into the case. And then when everything was given to the, um, to the husband for him to see what this was all about, these two letters were seen by him. He then felt that I've defamed him at the University of Stellenbosch, to whom I wrote the first letter, and that I've basically defamed him uh, at the lawyers of, um, of his wife, his wife's lawyers. So he sued me for that amount of money, and... Um, the judge then came to the conclusion that it was unnecessary to use the word alcohol abuse in that letter and that I should have uh, thought of his dignitas and I should not have used the word alcohol abuse. Now, um, that was, I mean, it was a very difficult situation because the moment the judge said that, we, uh, that it was not in public interest to hear that word, uh, alcohol abuse, 
then our defenses basically to a certain degree fell flat because we could not now uh, bring uh, truth as well as fair comment, public interest, privilege and, and motive as our defenses, which we did. We didn't uh, refrain from being it. We did bring it. But that then led to aggravating the situation in the sense that the judge felt that he was now further slandered in the court by, um, by the way that my lawyers did this case. And because I was a pastor, that I've, uh, you know, that I have to have known better and a hefty fine was given to me. I had to pay, I have to pay 350,000 rand plus all his lawyer fee, lawyer's fees, including interest as from the day of judgment. Uh, so uh, we just, I just felt that we're going to take this on appeal and see what happens. Now, I want to say this. My motive has never been, and I always stand with that, to ever harm anybody. Never did I want to uh, slander this man at the university. It has been said uh, that maybe four to six people at the university would have read this letter, and those are only the people that were on the board, the readmission board, and that was it. Uh, this farmer is a well-known farmer in our area, and he felt that his name was slandered. I lost the case, and that is what has happened. I never intended to harm anybody. My motive was to help, and that is why I used that word. I didn't want to defame the person, didn't want to make his name bad or any of that. Neither was there any malice in this whole situation. I've only helped them, loved them, and been good to them for many years. Uh, my wife has helped his child for many years freely, uh, training his child in some drama and those kind of things that he was involved for nine years and we were friends with these people and they were in our congregation and unfortunately the way I see it is that a bad divorce as one of the newspapers say it is um, you know I got caught up in the middle of this whole thing and uh, eventually got this uh, punishment it was punitive punitive fine was given unto me um, as well Something else that I would like to mention as well, this is also in the newspapers, is about me moving the furniture of this lady that got divorced from her husband and basically putting it and storing it at my house. That is not the case. What has taken place was that she uh, went and bought furniture at a furniture shop and then uh, when they had to drop it off at her house the courier to drop it off at her house they couldn't get access through the gate of the gated community that she lives in and then she called my wife and asked my wife if they cannot just have the courier drop it off at our house and um, then in a whatsapp message i said to the lady that they must she must come and remove her furniture uh, from our property because I don't want her furniture at my property and in the subpoena for our whatsapps that was seen and then interpreted as if I've tried to move her and help her move furniture prior to her husband even knowing that she's moving or something like that well that is just to explain what is going on as pertaining to that as well it sounds very negative in the news but I would like to just bring my side of the story to that, especially to people that, that this is of interest, and that is you that listen to these messages on a regular basis. Is there something else, Ileana?
Oh yeah, and then the um, it also seemed as if I didn't want to pay the fine, which is not the case. We are we intend to um, appeal, and then this uh, person came and uh, they had a emergency order to come and confiscate all my belongings uh, from our house. And thank God when they came to confiscate all of this, it started to rain and they're not allowed to move stuff during, uh, during the rain. And that gave me enough time. And that was then on my birthday to go to uh, file a file for them to stop to do this. So they got an interdict against them to confiscate my stuff until all of this is basically over. Well, that is just an uh, overview on what was going on. And I think that is more than enough information for all of you to, to know what is going on. I didn't want to just be quiet about this. It would look suspicious if I just say nothing. And I just feel that you guys do have a right to know what's going on, especially uh, since it is in the newspapers. And um, the biggest thing for me about this whole thing is not so much my own name or any of that. The biggest thing for me is that the Bible says, don't even let sin be named among you. Keep the, the gospel and the good news pure and let those who live, live a pure life. And here is the scripture that I want to share with you. It says, so do not be ashamed. This is what the Apostle Paul uh, says, and I want to say this to all of you. Let's read from verse 6. It says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in, your, which is in you through the laying on of hands. Before the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but give us power and love and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. And then this is the part that I want to want to give you. Neither of me is prisoner. Rather join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. So I want to just say to you, uh, I want to ask you not to allow what has happened in this case, um, to have to bring you to a place where you are ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ, the message of his love, the message of his kindness, the message of no condemnation. But let's get right into the message that I have for today. And today's message is going to come from Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, and we're going to read from verse 6. This is a very powerful passage, and many of us know this passage very well. But I do believe that there is uh, a depth of understanding that we can get into here that really blesses us in a great way. I'm going to read from verse 6. It says here, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Rooted, built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Now, in today's message, we're going to be talking about the fullness of the Godhead bodily, which is described in the next verse. So, as an introduction, we are seeing here 
that Paul is saying that just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue your lives in him. The context here was circumcision, that the people in Colossae was basically brought under the idea or the influence or the doctrine that they had to circumcise their flesh. In other words, do something in the flesh so that they could be as they ought to be before God. Now, Paul uses that changing of the flesh or circumcision of the flesh, and he then explains what true circumcision is. We're going to look today as well as how Jesus Christ was circumcised and what the circumcision of Christ truly is and how we are circumcised from being under the force of death in the flesh. It says then in verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow deceptive philosophy which depends on human traditions and not on the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Let me read it again. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human traditions and the, and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. So what Paul is basically saying here is that they should, as Gentiles, uncircumcised, remain that way and not think that as they bring any change to their flesh, that it would solve any problem they have. He continues to say that this tradition of being a circumcised and deceptive philosophy uh, all depends on human traditions and the elementary spiritual principles of this world. In other words, do not handle, not touch, not. What Paul was basically saying to these people, <clears throat> excuse me, is that they received Jesus without knowing the law. They didn't know the Ten Commandments. They didn't know the law of Moses. They had no knowledge of it. They were idol worshippers, basically. And then they came to the knowledge of Christ and denounced believing in idols and now started to believe in Jesus Christ. The gospel that was preached to them was that Jesus Christ was bodily raised from the dead and that he is Lord. So, you read verse 6, it says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. So the gospel they believed was that Jesus is Lord, and then they received. That would receive is uh, Lambano they grabbed a hold of to make use of. They, they grabbed the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord over what? Lord over all the earth, Lord over death itself, the ruler, the son of God, the man God has given as the judge of all people by which he would bring vindication and life and justice and justification to people. That is what it is all about. So as you have received Jesus, as you have come to the knowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord and you've believed upon him, so remain in him. There's nothing more to add to this. There's nothing more than that we need to do. Now, the Jews didn't think that. They said, well, you're lacking in your flesh. So now Paul is going to address the flesh. And let's read then uh, from verse 9. He says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. 
So in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. I hope you can see that he's addressing the human body now. So let us just recap what happens. The Jews come and they say, you Gentiles, you've got an issue. Your issue is that your flesh is not circumcised. You are lacking in your flesh. The man has to be circumcised. You have to then follow after what is called, uh, Paul here, he mentions deceptive philosophy. Philosophy comes from two words, uh, phileo and sophia, which we call sophia. Uh, I don't know if I pronounced it correctly in the Greek. That is kind of how I read it. So, But these two words simply means the love of divine wisdom. The love of divine wisdom. So he says, watch out for deceptive love of divine wisdom, which is contained in do not that touch not, handle not, be circumcised, follow the customs of Moses, and so forth. Be careful for that, because that is all based on the elemental, elementary spiritual forces of this world and not on Christ. That basic principles of this world basically talks about living by the power that is inside your will, the power of mortal man. So he's saying that there is a wisdom wherein which is based on man's ability to follow it by the power of his own mortal body. That is what it is all about. He then goes on addressing this uh, lack that they have in their body, according to the Jews. He says, in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. So what he is addressing is saying, your flesh lacks nothing. You lack nothing in the flesh. You don't need to be circumcised in the flesh because in Christ, in, in whom the fullness of deity dwells bodily, you have now been made complete. How? Where? In your body. In your body. You see, church, we have an issue here with, uh, when it comes to, to Christianity, and that is that the Christianity that we have heard was all a Gnostic Christianity, and I've mentioned it many times. But what, it, what we have seen is a message where here is your spirit and here is your body. You are a spirit and you have this body and the spirit is born again. The spirit is alive before God. The spirit is righteous before God. And you find this conversation basically that takes place between spirit and body and the Spirit says, I'm holy, and O flesh, you are not holy. You will one day be saved or so, but I am okay. And then the flesh looks at the Spirit and basically says, I'm just sinful. I'm just a dirtbag. I'm nothing. But yet this flesh is alive. This, this, this flesh is going to live for 70, 80, or 90 years. And then as this flesh lives, this flesh needs something to live by. And this flesh lives knowing that it's dying and it's got no hope for life. But the spirit is okay. And we find this uh, battle inside most Christians because the flesh has not been perfected according to them. Perfection does not pertain to the flesh in our Christianity. 
In our Christianity, sadly, perfection only pertains to the spirit, my perfect born-again spirit, and then it's up to me to renew my mind, to try and focus hard and concentrate and all those kind of things and try and keep my mind uh, in the in the things of God all the time. And if I keep get my mind out of the things of God, then my soul is not being saved. And then my body, which is just this dirt bag, is now maybe someday going to be saved. And we put on the back burner and it's not really of importance. But here Paul comes and he addresses the, 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 the issue that is at hand. And that was that the Jews were saying that in your flesh there's something lacking. Paul goes on and he says the fullness of deity dwells in Jesus bodily. Or what it means is in physicality. And you are now by him brought to fullness. You are carried to this fullness. I want to just go to Colossians 2.9 here quickly and just um, find that, that scripture. It says, and you are complete in him. That word complete means, and I've, I did speak about this last time, uh, it means to be brought to fullness, to be carried to fullness or it actually says you're to bring into realization or to carry into effect so what he's saying is is that which needed to be done in our bodies is being carried into effect by jesus so you don't have to affect your body your body is affected by the fullness of deity that does have the ability to dwell inside physicality and you, as Gentiles, can now know that you don't have to change anything. Your body shall be and is now brought into the effect of what Christ has done by the power of the resurrection. Another point that I want to bring across is this. If we look at a person that has got an illness, he says he feels weak. And he goes to the doctor and the doctor tells him, listen, you need to take more vitamins and you need to exercise a little bit and so forth, then you'll, then you'll feel better. If the doctor gives that advice, that advice is followed and he doesn't feel better, and the doctor goes again and they do blood tests, and the doctor says, listen, we've got medication that can help for you. It is called chemotherapy and radiation. What would the problem be? The problem would obviously be cancer cells that's forming in your body, that you have cancer. How do you know you've got cancer? By the treatment that is prescribed. That is how you know, you'll know you've got cancer. In the very same way, when God looked at the problem of humanity, he said the solution for all the problems in, in the world is a physical empty grave, rulership over death in the physical body and then the hope of eternal life wherein deity can now dwell inside physicality. That is what it's about. So the gospel is actually the message about how God comes and dwells in your body by his spirit. That's why the spirit is poured out on all flesh. That is Jew or Gentile is poured out on what? 
on flesh. What is the purpose of the spirit on flesh? The purpose of the spirit on flesh is mentioned in the next verses. And let us read on. It says, In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands or human power. Your whole self ruled by the flesh, or I would say by mortality, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. You were dead in your sin and in the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed powers and principalities and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross or in the resurrection of Jesus. So what is he saying here? He's simply saying that the solution to the problems of mankind is in the fullness of deity dwelling inside physicality and God solving the problem that we truly have, which is sin in the flesh or mortality in the flesh. And he now comes and rules over death in the flesh. And those who believe upon him then receives the life or the spirit that is inside the flesh of Jesus. And we now start to share of the fullness of deity that dwells in physicality. And we start to find him bringing that forth in us. That's why this Greek meaning according to Thyre would easily, can easily be interpreted as to carry into effect. You have been made complete. The effect of deity in the flesh of Jesus is now we are carried into that perfection by Christ, not our own works. That is what this is all about. So, should we take this seriously and we take it for what it truly is, we cannot identify with anything in this world that is decaying. We are identifying with Christ who is our life. I hope you can see how Paul puts the emphasis on the physical body. How Paul put the emphasis on uh, having divinity in a physical body. That is what this is all about. What I like about this is in verse 10, he says, He is the head over every power and authority. So when we are under the rulership of Christ, we are under the head that is over every power and authority. That is higher than the government. That is higher than death itself. That is even higher than mortality itself. That is why it says, In him you were circumcised with a circumcision performed without hands. And this is the circumcision, and I think we need to understand this, that your whole self, not just your spirit, your whole self, the moment you can realize that self does not exclude your body, the moment we realize that, that the whole self ruled by the flesh, and when Paul talks about 
flesh here. And I want to read in verse uh, 11 here. That is the word sarks. The whole, the, the flesh, talking about basically uh, uh, the death that is inside the body, the mortality of the body, a dying human body, a mortal flesh. We who are ruled by the carnality, we who are ruled by being temporal, being ruled by having an expiry date, we're not under that rule anymore. We're not under the rule of death. We are under the rule of eternal life and we are brought by him to be people that live as if they have eternal life. That is what this is all about. Like I've explained to you in this part before the service, when the sheriff came to my house and um, wanted to just confiscate my stuff, you know, yes, we, we went and we defended it. But I also felt, and I can truly say, that even if everything was taken, it wouldn't change my life. It wouldn't change my life. It would just be uncomfortable because you don't have a chair to sit on and you'll have to go and purchase a chair. That is just the way it is. And what would be uncomfortable is the furniture that has maybe come for two or three generations in my wife's family that are all antiques might be gone, but... That cannot change anything from me because a chair that is decaying, a chair that is wood that's turning back into dust cannot form or shape my life. It cannot change my joy. It cannot change anything like that. You know, we went to the court and we thought, let us see if we can get this thing stopped. But if they didn't stop it, uh, I mean, they would have come and picked my stuff up on my birthday. We've already had cake there and we had coffee there. And I was thinking if those people of the sheriff office walk in, I would say to them, uh, you're taking the stuff, but at least let's first celebrate my birthday and have some cake and, and coffee uh, celebrating the, the, just my life and what God has given me and the goodness of God. Hallelujah. I mean, uh, my life is not born from the sheriff's office. Neither is my life born from, uh, from the, the high court in South Africa. Yes, I do respect the court, and yes, I will follow what they tell me, and I will do things in a legal manner. But my life is not born from that. My life is born from Jesus Christ. My life is born from the resurrection and what has happened to my flesh, although I am becoming gray, although I am becoming older, although I am seeing the decay in my body, I don't live from that decay. I have been circumcised. Let me read it again. In him, we were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by man's hands. And this is the circumcision. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were raised with him through your faith in the working of God, which is to be able to raise the dead, who raised him from the dead. Paul is not talking spiritual talk here, as, and I mean by spiritual talk as non-material, non-physical talk. When you've heard the gospel to the point that the cells of your body start to believe that to it belongs the promise of life, that your very thoughts, that the, I almost want to say your DNA, if you can call it like that, start to hear 
and believe that it is okay as what your spirit believes it's okay, you'll find that in difficult situations, you find a change of life, a change of emotion, a change of feeling. Even while I was driving to the court, and I want to testify this to my, uh, to my lawyers, as I was driving to them, I felt in my heart, even if this happens, that all of this is taken away. I feel free. I feel free. <laughs> Hallelujah. Why? Because I'm stubborn? No, it's not because I'm stubborn. It's because Christ lives in me. My life cannot be taken from me when my stuff is taken from me. It might be a bit more uncomfortable because of practical reasons, but it cannot determine my joy. It cannot determine my life, for I have been circumcised from mortality and having a life born from what is temporal. And that does not only point to my spirit, it points to me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. And that is the mindset we live in. So, what Paul is saying here in Colossians is, listen Galatians, let me tell you something. This makes me think even of, of, of uh, the Hebrews. He says, you counted the robbery of your goods. Nothing wrong. Just a pleasure. Because your life belongs to Christ. My life is in Christ, your life is in Christ, and that is what he has given to us. And the beauty is that this doesn't work just now and then. It works by the working of God. Let me explain what it means to be circumcised from the mortality of the flesh, even though we are mortal people. It means that the life you have and the life you live and the action that's born in you is not born from the fact that you are a mortal dying man, but is born from the fact that Jesus Christ lives forever and that the spirit that will quicken your mortal body and give your mortal body eternal life, that you live now from that eternal life that's already been deposited into your bank account if you want to call it like that or deposited into your life Paul says in Romans chapter 7 that the evil things that I didn't want to do that I did and that the good that I wanted to do that I didn't do and then he refers to his life when he was under the law and then he basically says that we have now in Colossians been delivered from that that we are not condemned anymore to have a life that is born from mortality. But we have now been enslaved unto the righteousness of God. What does that mean? It means the following. And I've said it to my wife many times. I've said it to God many times. And it is almost like with Jonah. When I get upset with someone, when I feel someone has harmed me, when I feel somebody's done something wrong, I find that I'm already sometimes in a bit of an argument with God when I would say to him, God, I know I'm so upset with this person. I think I want to do this to him and that to him and that to him. But I know that I'm not going to get that right because I've been made a slave of righteousness and as what it was for me to want to do good and find that I couldn't do it when I was under the law. Now, even I find that when I want to do bad, I find I can't do it. I find at the end of the day, I'm doing good. It's like giving. 
I failed it in my own life. I would think that, man, I've given so much, um, and I think I've given enough. And then I see somebody, and then I think, well, then you try to reason yourself out of not giving or not being generous, but you just find yourself being generous at the end of the day. Why? <laughs> because we have been circumcised. Circumcised from what? Circumcised from my whole self has been circumcised from the flesh. Let me read it again. And I repeat myself, but this, it is what it is. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off. So the whole self, that means spirit, soul, and body, that was ruled by mortality and flesh that didn't have eternal life in it, is now gone. And the whole self is now ruled by the fullness of deity that lives in Jesus, and it is now carried into effect and brought into realization by God, made complete by Him. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, glory to God. This is absolute good news, man. It makes me happy. It puts us at a place where we're higher than the things of this world or the situations of this world. It puts us in a place of life and abundance and goodness and truth and inner peace that is greater than what we can bring forth by our dying flesh. That is why Colossians 3 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Since you have now been brought to the place where you are, you, where you by Christ, not your own works, by Christ have been circumcised from having a life born from mortal flesh and the fears something that's dying carries. Set your hearts on the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Now, what does that mean? That means that you are already something and it doesn't yet show. But we have the benefit of living of what doesn't yet show. But what we are shall appear. The way we see that is in Romans chapter 1. I'll give you an example. A good example of a son of God that didn't appear as a son of God and then later appeared as a son of God, as the son of God, is Jesus Christ himself. And let me, I'm um, just going to get the King James here as well. Man, this message excites me so much. <laughs> you just, I mean, look at Jesus standing in front of Rome. Then Rome killed him. Then he was raised. Do you know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, the knee of Rome bowed? When it means that every knee shall bow, it means that death couldn't conquer Jesus and Jesus was raised from the dead and that knee has now bowed. The Rome, Rome already bowed the knee. They couldn't kill Jesus. They couldn't. There was nothing they could do. They used their strongest force, the cross, the greatest humiliation, the cross. And after they've done it all, here the man stands up and he lives. And he cannot die. I mean, 
That's now bowing the knee. That's exactly what it is. Romans 1, 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus, of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised before, beforehand through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who, as to his earthly life, was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection. It says here in the King James, it says concerning his Son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. So Jesus was, according to the flesh, born of David. And then it says, and he was declared as the Son of God. So was Jesus the Son of God? Yes. When Peter said to him, you are the, 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 you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, was it true? Yes. When Jesus was baptized and he came out of the water, did the voice of the Father say, this is my beloved Son? Yes. He did. He was the Son. But could one see he's the Son? No. Couldn't see he's the Son of God. And then it says here in verse 5, excuse me, verse 4, it says, and he was declared. That word declared means marked out or bound. That is to appoint, to decree. He was decreed. He was, it means to define. Thyre says it beautiful. He was defined as the Son of God or determined or pointed out as the Son of God. How? By the resurrection from the dead. So, Jesus was the Son of God, but he was not seen as the Son of God. And then who he was, was revealed when he was raised from the dead, bodily raised from the dead. Now, I say to you, you are the Son of God. What you are does not yet appear, but you are. And we now call Abba, Father, meaning we live from our sonship, although it doesn't show to others. The reason why other people don't know that we are the sons of God is because they don't know him, the scripture says. People deal with you. People deal with me. They don't know who I am. They don't know I'm a son of the living God. They don't know that I'm an immortal. I'm, I'm the son of an immortal God. And that I've inherited immortality. Not in my spirit. I mean, that is what most people think. They think you're, you're some ghost living in a body. No. I am and you are sons of the immortal God. And if you want to know what a son of God look like, you behold an empty grave, you behold Colossians chapter 2, the fullness of deity dwelling in a human body. That is what you are beholding. Glory to God. That is who you are. That is the truth about you. And although some people can say, are you crazy? What's wrong with you? What's wrong in your head? You know, you cannot, you, 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 you think you're this Christian, you're becoming old like all of us. Some of you are dying before people that don't even believe in Jesus Christ and so forth. It doesn't matter what they say. They said the same of Jesus and he died at a young age. Jesus didn't become old. He died at a young age. So did most of the martyrs in the time of Jesus. A lot of people died at a young age. Does that mean they're not sons of God? No. If you knew 
the Son of God, Jesus, and you knew the resurrection, and you know him, you would know everyone that is born of God. That is it. So, I want to tell you, you are a son of God. What you are does not yet appear, and you shall be manifested as a son. It is true. And it's not true about your spirit. It's true about the whole of you. You have been circumcised from living by the flesh. Galatians 2. So let's go to Ephesians 2. I think we can do uh, Ephesians 2, then Galatians 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. So what he's saying is, is that while they were dead in transgressions, meaning uncircumcised, meaning having nothing, doing nothing wrong, Christ was raised from the dead, Gentiles believed in him, and they were made alive with Christ, meaning that they live above the mortality of the flesh, and they in their flesh as full humans have been completely circumcised from having a life born from the flesh. That, it is, that is what he is saying. He did this while we were in transgressions. So I want to say to you, you might feel that you have a transgression somewhere in your life and that because of that transgression, you don't have access to um, the joy and peace of God. Now, let me tell you something, and I want to use my own example here and um, just take it as it is. I don't have my life born from if I wrote a right word or a wrong word in a letter. Let's say I'm 100% wrong, and even in the, uh, in, in the other court it's found that I'm wrong. Is that going to now disqualify me from having joy and peace? No. <laughs> I'm going to have joy and peace anyway. Why? Because God has given me, listen to this, and has given unto us, it says here, that because of his great love, for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. So life could come even when people were dead in transgressions. That means that I'm not living anymore from should I commit any transgression in this world. Not that I'm aiming for a transgression, not that the grace of God promotes transgression, but should it be that there is a transgression, it does not mean that I have now been condemned to guilt and feeling bad and uh, uh, crying and feeling my life falls apart for the rest of my life. No. My life is not falling apart because Christ is not falling apart, neither is yours. There are people that, I've been, that, that I speak to and the most terrible things happen to them. They go through the most difficult times, much more difficult than what Eliana and I went through in the last uh, two and a half years, and especially this last week. And the, in those difficult times, God gives them life. This morning, there was somebody here who had a stroke. This man is so passionate for the gospel 
and the stroke affected his eyes. It's not that he is blind, but his eyes cannot stand still. So it just goes like, like this. It, it just, it, he cannot control the movement of his eyes all the time. And you can imagine how frustrating that is. And then he cannot see clearly as well. And there's nothing that they can basically do for the man. And him, he, in that situation, lives a life of Colossians. Where it says, and I'm reading it again, it's so powerful. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off. That whole self, that whole man where his life would have been ruled by the mortality of his body, has been taken away. Even his body, even the cells of his body, has got the hope of the glorious word of God that speaks into his flesh. Hallelujah! <laughs> that is absolute good news. Glory to God. Let's go back to... Uh, Ephesians. Well, I was in Galatians, but let us just see. Um, I want to let, let us go to first to Ephesians. Let's read this again. It says, It is by grace that you have been saved by the resurrection. It's by the glorification that comes to physical body to the point that we are now living from the rulership that he has over death in the physical body and that we, even though we have dying bodies, don't live by the rule of the dying body. And even our dying body is now put under the rule of Christ from where we will live. Verse 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms. Heavenly realms means in the realm of the immortal. That's what it means. In Christ Jesus, in order. Why did he do all of this? That in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ. So what he's basically saying is that he has done this so that in the ages to come, that for eternity, he might express his kindness continually in us. Glory to God. Isn't that absolutely amazing? <laughs> oh, that is absolute good news. Nothing that anybody gives you can add anything to you. And nothing that anybody takes from you can take anything away from you. And I want to testify about that. This is such a powerful testimony. It's, it's, it says, and we're running out of time, so I, I wanted to do another verse, but we're going to just do the testimony. You know, when, when it happened that I was at the place where it looks as if I'm going to lose, you know, all of my belongings, I felt in my heart, what the Bible talks about, the purity of faith. <laughs> what that means is, the, the purity of faith, let's take this ring, this ring here. This is a silver ring. I bought it. I'm sure it is truly silver. I believe it's silver. 
the person that I bought it from is a very reliable person. They say it's silver. I can test it, and I'm sure some of you will now quickly write five things on how to test if it's truly silver. I can believe it's silver, but the authenticity of what I believe is not determined by how hard I concentrate on this ring or how much I'm persuaded that it's silver. The authenticity of what I believe is found in if this is silver or not. Should this be tested and it be pointed out as silver, the test has revealed what this truly is. So, when I was in a situation where I felt we're losing everything, I felt this many times in my life. I felt when that happened, it is, I felt that eternal life in me and that nothing can be taken from me. And as I felt that, I was driving in my car and I said, glory to the almighty God. <laughs> I'm happy. I feel so free. My freedom is true. You know, as you live this life and you experience the provision of the Lord and you find you've got a car, you've got a house, you've got this, you've got that. Some of you that's got businesses, you've got successful business, things are going well. It might be that your mind starts to tell you that the joy that you have is because of the stuff. But you know what happens when you lose the stuff or you're at the point where you see you're truly losing this? You as a believer in this gospel of grace, you will find that you're equally happy because that's when the authenticity of what you believe, which is that Christ was truly raised from the dead, that his body is truly immortal, that you are truly not governed by the, the death that's in the flesh, and that even your flesh rests in the knowledge of eternal life. That's what this is about. Glory to God. That is absolute good news. What was God saying from before the world began? God was saying from before the world began, he was saying and that he wanted to bring forth a man and a woman or humans with whom he can share his life. So well, there was never a point where you were in God's mind outside of God having full contribution from his side wherein all that you would be and have would be solely by him, through him and unto him which is the vision that he would share his life with you. There was never a point where it was not about God giving to you. It was never about you giving to God. It has always been about God giving to you. And the way wherein we give to God is we give to him that his will be done in us by believing and trusting upon him. The message which he had from before the world began was then shown forth what he truly intended when Jesus was raised from the dead. And he said, this is what a son of God looks like. And this is what I've been saying about you all the time. You are my son. And I will bring you into this. You believe me. If the world doesn't know you, if the world treats you like dirt, if they don't have any knowledge about who you are, 
It's just because they don't know God. That's all. And may they know God. Hallelujah. Well, that is the message that I wanted to share with you today. And I trust that this has blessed you. I want to testify to you. Don't fear. Don't fear. Doesn't matter what happens. Doesn't matter what negative, even that thing that you, that you hope it doesn't happen. Even if it happens, the fear that there was that if that happens, then you're not going to have life. Let me tell you, on the other side of the sentence is life, <laughs> is the joy of God, man, is the absolute life of God. On the other side of that is sharing in the abundance of the goodness and the joy of the Lord. Is God's faithfulness shown towards you continually. Hallelujah. I can testify of that. Glory to God. I would like to pray for you. Father, I want to thank you that I could pray, that I can pray for people right now. And I thank you that I can sit here. And as I preach this message, I feel your word. I feel your life. I feel your abundance. I feel your truth. I feel your basically uh, carefree living whereby you are saturated with life and you have brought us into that life. Glory to God. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your life. I thank you for your abundance. I thank you, Lord. Like this one lady said to me this morning, that the negative things that happen to us, we can sometimes put it up on a wall and frame it. And it will be a reminder of how you have even given us life in that situation. Thank you, Lord. We think of the Jews as they were, were, were brought out of Egypt. And after they were brought out, there was to be a remembrance made of that day when they were in Egypt and you brought them out. Thank you for your love and your goodness and your kindness. Thank you for how you care for us. You are the Almighty God and we love you. For you first loved us and you loved us in granting us life even if there's transgression and you love us to the point that even overcome our transgression and bring forth the fruit of the spirit in us where we forgive and we love thank you for your goodness O oh god amen and amen i want to thank you that i could serve you with this good news message we will then gather again next sunday thank you for joining me next sunday service god bless